units. Headquarters to all units. All units, stand by for On Patrol with the PPD. Airing now on WTBR <coughs> 89.7 FM. For another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. Today is Friday, July 1st, 2022. My name is Mike Wynn. I am the Chief of Police in the City of Pittsfield and one of the co-hosts and co-producers of this allegedly weekly radio program. We've got some special guests joining us in studio this morning. But before we introduce our guests, we're going to get a uh, check of the weather. Oh, that's better on the sound yeah, levels. There we go. <laughs> Gonna get a check of the weather. Don't and forget me. <laughs> did I just do that whole intro with my mic off, Matt? You did. <laughs> yep, sorry. <laughs> All right. We're experiencing technical difficulties. Let's try this again. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM. Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television and also available on all your popular podcast platforms. Today is Friday, July 1st, 2022. My name is Mike Wynn. I am one of the co-hosts and co-producers of this allegedly weekly radio program. I'm also the chief of police here in the city of Pittsfield, Massachusetts. We've got some special guests joining us in studio this morning, but before we introduce our guests, we're going to start with a check of the weather and a couple newsworthy items. So let's get started with the show. WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area today, mostly sunny, warmer with highs around 90. Southwest wind 5 to 10 miles per hour with gusts up to 20 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly cloudy. A chance of showers in the evening, then showers likely with a chance of thunderstorms after midnight. Lows in the mid 60s. Southwest wind 5 to 10 miles per hour. Chance of rain 60%. Saturday, showers likely with a chance of thunderstorms. Highs in the lower 80s. West wind 5 to 10 miles per hour. Chance of rain 60%. Weather forecasts for WTBRFM are provided by the National Weather Service. All right, so let's talk about a couple news items. It's the 1st of July, 2022, which means we are three days out from the 4th of July holiday. The 4th falls on a Monday this year. And for the first time in two years, well, for the first time in three years, um, the Pittsfield Police Department is back in full-time, large-scale special events planning mode. Actually, when I leave here this morning, I'll have a little bit of time to meet with Captain Traversa. He's buttoning up the event action plan for the 4th of July parade. So after a two-year hiatus, the 4th of July parade is back. It is by far the largest pre-planned special event that the department supports every year. Uh, and although we've kind of enjoyed a, our two-year break, we're back to normal operations, which means every member of the department who is not on a pre-scheduled vacation is ordered in to uh, secure and, and provide traffic control for the parade so that's what we'll be doing most of the day on Monday uh, if you saw this morning's Berkshire Eagle just a quick uh, check a couple newsworthy articles uh, interesting um, Eagle investigations article on the front page about absenteeism in the schools throughout the county uh, not gonna get into the details but it's a fascinating article you should check it out uh, the other article that is germane to the 4th of July is that for a variety of reasons, including supply chain reasons and the fact that uh, they could not find a, an unavailable licensed pyrotechnician, that's a big word, pyrotechnician, um, 
the Pittsfield Suns, after the baseball game on the 4th, will not be providing fireworks display. They couldn't find anybody to do it. So they've swapped it out for a laser light show. And that's important from a special events planning point of view because it means that the show is only visible inside the park. Uh, so you need to be a ticketed guest inside the park to participate in that. From a police point of view, that means that we will not have traffic control on the external perimeter uh, to deal with the overflow viewers that we normally see up at the middle school or around the hospital. So if that has been your tradition to kind of be in the, the northeast neighborhood to, to view the fireworks, don't save your time. Don't go because you won't be able to see the, the laser light show from the neighborhood. So just uh, don't do that. And the final one, and I, I was interested in this because this conversation I frequently have with Sergeant Mark Madalena, the commander of our traffic unit, um, Great Barrington is changing the way they, they design and paint a couple of their high pedestrian volume crosswalks. Um, they recognize that in their downtown area, the number of motor vehicle pedestrian crashes is, um, is unacceptable, and they're trying to address it, and they're doing it through engineering and traffic calming, which we're big advocates of. So um, I'm interested to see how those turn out. I think that's about enough of the news items. So let's see. Who do we have in studio this morning? we got Lieutenant Hill working on the board as the sound engineer extraordinaire. Hello. Let's <laughs> see your Wolfman Jack impersonation. <laughs> and and to, just so you, all of our viewers and listeners are aware, uh, command isolation can become a very real thing. Sometimes when you know, you're, you're at the top, people filter the information that they provide with you. So I just learned as we were getting ready to come on the air that apparently Lieutenant Hill had some uh, questions from the community. So it's important that everybody knows Officer Winston is in studio. He was just under my feet. He's not under my feet anymore. Um, he's laying he, so now he, he's over Hill. by Lieutenant Hill. He's, make, he's making sure we all know he's in here. But, uh, you know, Winston demands attention. And so if he comes over here and have to reach down to scratch his head or his belly, that's what's going on there. Um, also joining us in studio this morning for the first time, and I feel like a long time, is Officer Darren Derby. Morning. What's it going is, it's, on? It's, it's been a while, Chief. It has been a while, and I happen to know for a fact that today is a scheduled day off for you. It is a scheduled day off. So, uh, I had to come in early anyways to uh, stock up the ice cream truck. I had to uh, run the Crescent Creamery, and we got lots of goodies on there for the 4th. Got it. So Operation Copsicle is returning to the 4th of July. Parade. It will be there. It will uh, not be manned by our personnel, but uh, per se. Uh, staffed. Staffed, yeah. But it Gender will be... Gender neutral uh, language. <laughs> but, but it will be staffed. Uh, by my uh, wonderful bride and sister-in-law, so who be. always step up to help us out in a pinch. Yeah, they get voluntold once in a while. So, <laughs> well, they're always very gracious and pleasant. Yes, when they are. Told. Yes, they are. Uh, and also joining us in studio this morning is our special guest, kind of our guest of honor for the day, Sergeant Ryan Williams, who is a uh, valued team member in the Pittsfield Police Department, but also um, you know just a, a very interesting in varied experience background yeah. background um so sergeant williams welcome to the show thank you chief he's Good never be been here. interviewed he's never been interviewed. i've never been here oh great this is the first time yeah. great um so ryan usually when we have a guest in studio we start out just you know with history background we don't want to get to humanize our personnel and get to know you know who were you before you became a police officer so Man. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? Okay. What did you do? All right. Well, I am, uh, I am from the city of Pittsfield, born and raised. 
uh, 2000 graduate of uh, Taconic High School, the old Taconic High Go School. Braves. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Are we allowed nope. to say that still? Yeah. No. I don't, I don't know what they changed the name to. It's the Rockets, right? Yeah, the, the Thunder. I think the Thunder, thunder or something thunder, like thunder. that. Taconic Thunder. Yeah, so 2000 graduate of that. Yeah, went to Westfield State where I pursued criminal justice, eventually graduating with my bachelor's. So I got hired by the Pittsfield Police Department in 2007. Uh, Officer Derby and I migrated over from the Lanesboro Police migrated. Department. Migrated from the Lanesboro Police Department. <laughs> big words used this. Week. Wait, <laughs> wait, wait a minute. So, were you guys partners in Lanesboro? Yeah, uh, we were. Yeah, yeah. And we've talked about this briefly on the show before. So, you said 2007. 2007. Yeah. Dar- Darren, when did you come over? Uh, well, I went to the academy 2009. So, there was a period in 2005, 2006, 2007, 2009-ish. <laughs> it, we poached a lot of personnel from the Lanesboro Police Department. Yeah. A lot of personnel. Uh, former Chief Bashara was not very happy with me. <laughs> no. And at one time at one time I jokingly told him that if it was necessary, we would just annex the town of Lanesboro, designate it as an additional beat, and staff it with people who already knew the geography because I had enough to fill more than one shift. He didn't take that very well. Uh, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so uh Officer Derby and I migrated over to the uh, Pittsfield Police Department. Me in 2007, I went to the Lowell Police Academy. Nice. Good old Lowell. And then uh, here I am, eventually rising up to the rank of sergeant. And uh, I finished my master's degree at UMass Lowell. So let's just step in the Wayback Machine for a while. When you were in high school, you know, what did you do besides go to school? <clears throat> well, I uh, played golf, was on the track team. You know. That's about pretty much it. We on the golf you weren't on the football team? Were you on the golf team? No, I wasn't. Yeah, they didn't put me as an offensive lineman. <laughs> were you on the golf team? I, uh, for a little bit, yeah. So golf and track. Golf and track. And college. Did you college. play sports in college? I did not. No, you just focused on your studies? Yeah, pretty much it. I don't believe that for a minute. <laughs> Get a little wild down at Westfield. Uh, Westfield. Westfield's a good place. <laughs> Field's a great place. But eventually you decided that you wanted a career in law enforcement. Yeah, I decided early on, actually. It was something that I've always been interested in since I was a kid. You know, I always played cops and robbers. I was always the cop. (laughs) 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 Always interested in the military. I finally pursued that 12 years ago. Well, I was with the Pittsfield Police Department. So let's uh, let's talk about that a little bit. So when you came on... um, we We already had the formal field training program in place. Yep. And... Who who were your primary field training officers? Uh, officer Hallis was act- well. Actually, it was the previous officer Coco. Okay, who was uh, was my primary FTO, and then uh, Officer Hallis on midnights, and then I went to Officer Steinman for Squad B, and then finished it up with uh, Officer Coco. Got it. And, yeah. <laughs> All right. So you come on with Pittsfield. You finish field training. Then what shift did you go to? I went to Midnight's for about three years, and then the majority of my career was on Squad B. And then eventually I, I came to Days, and then I got promoted, and then I kind of stayed on Days. Right. So you just mentioned something really briefly, which makes you unique, uh, in my experience, definitely in the Pittsfield Police Department, but I also think in law enforcement in general. So there are a lot of police officers in the Commonwealth, particularly in civil service departments, because of veterans' preference. There are a lot of police officers who are veterans or prior military. <clears throat> but you weren't military when you became a police officer. I was not at all. And so um, at some point, you said 12 years ago. So mm-hmm. you'd only been with us for a couple of years at that point, right? Yeah, yeah um, probably about 
three to four. You made a decision that you wanted to join the Coast Guard. Yep. And I know a little bit of the backstory of why Coast Guard, but why did you decide to go to the Coast Guard? Um, so I, uh, my family always vacationed down in New Jersey. So uh, Seaside Heights, that whole area, Chatham Beach. So I'd always see the Coast Guard helicopters going by. So, And my uncle did a short stint way back in like the 40s, early 50s in the Coast Guard. So I had a little bit of exposure through my uncle. He always liked the Coast Guard. And then just watching uh, the Coast Guard go by as I was vacationing on the beach, I was like, wow, that's pretty wild. So you became aware of a program within the Coast Guard that essentially was going to let you expedite your training. And um, I'm going to, is it maritime enforcement? That's the, uh, that's the rate. Okay. The program used to be, it was called REBI, but then it became Depot, which is uh, what I went to. It was kind of the new revamped REBI. It's called the Delayed Entry Petty, Petty Officer Training Program. Okay. And they condense the eight weeks into like a high-speed three weeks. And so as a, as a civilian, you decide you're going to enlist in the Coast Guard Reserve. Mm-hmm. You're going to go through this depot program. Yep. And essentially, you're going to come out the other side because of your law enforcement training and experience as a Coast Guard Maritime Enforcement Specialist. Yeah. So that's the actual rate. But since you go through the depot program, usually when people go through the eight weeks, the 18, 19 year olds, um, they come out as a non rate. And then you have to go through your um, your training program to to actually become your rate. And then once you get through your training program, then you get made a petty officer third class. But if you go through the depot program, they'll, they'll offer you the automatically the petty officer third class rate or even a second class rate. So I just want to pick up on something you said because I just learned this recently. And I, you know, I had considered going to Coast Guard as an officer that chose between Coast Guard Academy and the Naval Academy and ultimately decided on the Naval Academy. But I wasn't aware until very recently. The Coast Guard is unique. Uh, in that everybody who enlists in the Coast Guard and graduates from boot camp, as you said, comes out a non-rate. Right? Most of the branches of the military, you can enlist and pick your MOS, and then you come out of boot camp or basic training and you go to your A school. You know which job's going to be. In the Coast Guard, they send you to the fleet for like an apprenticeship program, and then you pick what your, what your job's going to be after you've kind of been on, on a boat for a while. Yeah, I'm not sure how the active duty actually does it, but yeah, when when you're when you're offered a rate as a reservist, yeah, you don't actually, yeah, you don't actually become a third class until you complete your A school. And some of these A schools are so backed up that it can be it can be years before you before you go to A school. So you're a non-rate for years. So you're 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 burning your your wings, I guess, or whatever you want to say. You're scrubbing decks, painting holes. Whatever they taking out trash. So, you you decide you're going to enlist in the Coast Guard Reserve, go through this program so that you can join the maritime enforcement ranks, and you're a rookie, so you don't have a lot of available time on the books. Right? And <laughs> essentially, you're going to burn up all of your allowable time to take time off to go to basically boot camp, Coast Guard boot camp. Yeah. And is that in Cape May? Yes, it is. Okay. Yep. So we spoke and we talked about it. It was like, all right, you know, we try to be pretty supportive in the department. We try to be pretty supportive of our guards and reservemen. And we're, I'm not going to say liberal, but we try to be 
flexible and generous with time, um, paid time off, and, and allowing use of um, earned time to cover drills. And so we made the, I made the decision, we made the decision that even though you hadn't actually successfully completed boot camp yet, we were going to treat you like our other guards, guard and reservists, and kind of support you so you could go do this. So you go down and get through training, and then was there any enforcement-specific Coast Guard training you had to take after that three weeks? So uh, not necessarily. Uh, so there's for maritime enforcement, you get what's called a, a boarding team member certification, and that is that is an A school. You you when you go to your A school, they they used to train you how to be a BTM. So then you would do a board, and then you'd answer a bunch of questions, and they would sign you off as a BTM. As a BTM, you don't really have any authority. You operate under the authority of the boarding officer. So that's a whole other class that you have to go to. But now it kind of makes sense now. They kind of revamped the whole program. So when you go to your A school, you actually come out as a certified boarding officer. You just have to board. You don't have to go to the separate school, which makes sense. So now anybody coming through that pipeline can supervisor command a boarding team yep so anybody that goes through their a school for maritime enforcement they'll come out a certified boarding officer there's no more separate school so you come back with with your knowledge and then you kind of go do some boardings and then you sit before a board of individuals that ask you all sorts of questions related to your rate and then you pass it you're checked off as a boarding officer so now you have authority to go and board some boats on the high seas all right so we got, we got to parse this out a little bit because typical military you know you're you just said a sentence that had the word board in it in two completely different capacities <laughs> right so part of what you're talking about is, is essentially sitting in front of an oral board a, correct a board of qualified you know instructors or or officers and they're going to ask you questions about your knowledge and expertise to determine if you should earn the certificate yep and the certificate that you were earning was to be a member of a team that boards vessels underway. Correct. So I, I, I don't. I know that because I've spent some time on the water and I've engaged with the Coast Guard. I, I've watched this and I, I understand how impressive it is. But for your average, for our average listener and viewer who's never interacted with the Coast Guard or never watched the Coast Guard work, boarding a vessel underway is not a simple thing. It's it's incredibly complicated. It's risky just from the idea of seamanship and operating the boats. And if God help, you know, it's a hostile target. It's incredibly dangerous at that that point of intersection. Um, and being a, a qualified boarding team member, either for safety inspections, performing law enforcement duties, or in support of the military, it's a it's a high risk job. It sure is. And it's so specialized and so knowledgeable. And you know, I. I don't think your average resident knows this. It's so specialized that during the first Gulf War, Desert Shield, Desert Storm, when the U.S. military decided that they were going to start interdicting traffic in the Persian Gulf, the U.S. Navy, I think that's the fifth fleet, operating in the Persian Gulf, didn't have enough qualified boarding personnel to do the interdictions, so they transshipped a bunch of Coast Guard maritime enforcement specialists over to the navy to run the boarding teams <laughs> yeah we're uh, we're still with the navy too i mean obviously coast guard rank is the same as navy rank that way if we get activated in, in wartime we fall within the navy so we have the same rank structure 
but um yeah we're still with uh with the navy we're we're partnered up with the navy with their their riverine project their the river on it's called um so we do a lot of in, enforcement with them we're we're over in djibouti africa the horn of africa and we're also in uh, guantanamo bay cuba which surprises a lot of the other branches that when we show up coast guard what are they doing here so um this this is a complete aside and it's a digression so for the the two the two summers i was at naval academy for three semesters before i decided to transfer which meant i had to go through my first summer my indoc summer plebe summer and then my my second summer summer cruises and when you're a midshipman and you're picking your summer cruises you pick based on class ranking and so you know i i was an average student and i was interested in serving in the marine corps so i picked an amphibious gray hall right i went to long beach onto an lha and did my you know, my weeks at with the ship on an amphib so i could get some exposure to the marines one of my platoon mates company mates was not a great student he was what we would call the anchor man in the company and so he didn't get the the pick of the litter and at the time i think they still operate them so this was the late 80s the the navy had two vessels that were called phms patrol missile hydrofoils and there were high performance boats that could come up on hydrofoil and patrol at high high speeds and they were missile armed and at the time this would have been the summer of 1989 those two phms had been cross-decked to the coast guard and the coast guard had crew on them and was operating them in the florida keys doing drug interdiction and this poor guy rob got assigned to one of these PHMs for his summer cruises. And we were picking on him mercilessly because... So he was know, with the Coast Guard. And, and because he's going to this tiny little boat in this quiet section of the world, right? We wanted to go out to the fleet. Yeah. So we get back after summer cruises, and Rob comes to San Formation, and his his bars and ribbons, his uh, fruit salad on his chest, is enormous. It was, it was empty when he left, just like the rest of us. And he's got all these action ribbons because they were doing actual field operations, interdicting these drug runners. And they'd even gotten into a couple gunfights. So he comes back. He's like living, you know, he's on top of the world because he went and spent the summer chasing drug dealers in the Florida Keys. Yep. And I spent the summer, you know, navigating and painting a <laughs> ship. <laughs> Mad, yeah. mad props to the Coast Guard. I believe that it's a it's a nice little vacation spot down in the Florida yeah. Keys, and they uh, they do they do get a lot of drugs. Do get a lot of drugs. Yeah. So you've been in the Coast Guard for twelve years now. Yeah, you still drill out of Rhode Island. I do. He's Providence. Yeah. yeah. So how you how often are you down there? I'm down there once a month and uh, about two weeks a year. And when you go down for your regular, you know, weekend drill. What's your job? What are you doing down there? Uh, usually some training, but then uh, when we do get out there, it's uh, it'd be like recreational boardings and stuff, um, riding ferries to the various islands and back. And, uh, yeah. Are you in uniform when you're doing this? <clears throat> yeah. You, you're like in your, the, um, the blues? Yeah, you're the blues. Okay. Yeah, your operational I've, I've dress never, uniform. I've never, you know, I've been on them and stuff, but I've never, I guess I've never paid attention. Yeah, it's all blue, basically. So yeah. your ODUs, your operational dress uniform. So, yeah, blues, blue blouse, blue blue trousers, hmm. tucked in. So the I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap up you know, this first half of the show with just some specific questions about your your path then we'll come back and we'll get back into your career as a pittsfield police officer um 
you know, I'm aware, but I don't think most people who don't spend time on recreational boating are aware of the absolute authority of the U.S. Coast Guard to board vessels in U.S. waters. It, it's pretty much explicit. There, there are very few circumstances that the Coast Guard can't demand to board a vessel. Yeah, pretty much can't say no. I mean, we, we come aboard, we're coming aboard. So, I mean, most, I, I don't think I've really ever run into any pushback. When you come aboard, people are generally happy. They generally want you to board their boat just to make sure it's seaworthy. And yeah. you got PFDs, flares, everything you need. Because, I mean, you're, you're going to go out there into the ocean. It's a big responsibility going out into the ocean. Yeah. So the, the Coast Guard, when they're conducting boarding operations, I would say, generally speaking, their primary concern, their principal concern is boater safety. Right? Yeah. The, the basic reason to conduct a boarding is to make sure that the vessel is safe and that the appropriate equipment is on board. You know, one suitably sized weight rated PFD for every person on the vessel some throwables in case somebody goes overboard. Right? They're going to check all that stuff, sound signaling devices, flares, whatever. Yep. Uh, but then they have this joint law enforcement authority, right? So boating while intoxicated mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Um, and then their law enforcement authority is broad, right? So you've also got drug smuggling, human trafficking, yep. counterterrorism. Yep. And it's very similar to a police officer walking up to a car on a traffic stop. You don't know what the driver knows. Mm-hmm. But generally, if you're boarding, uh, you know, most of, I'm not going to say all the time, but most of the time when we stop a car, there's one or two people in it. It's very rare that people are out there operating recreational boats. There's only one or two people. If there's that few people, they're fishing, right? Yeah. If you're out there having a good time, there's going to be more people. So there's, there's a personnel that, issue there. If they're... If they are involved in committing a crime, right, they're going to know it and you're not going to know it. And then you've got this, and we always talk about how dangerous car stops are because you're on the edge of the road and there's all these blind spots. But car stops occur in three dimensions, right? Vehicle, vessel boardings operate in three dimensions, right? Yeah. There's this whole other thing when you've got to move from boat to boat. So uh, that's crazy. Yeah, and then we uh, we board we board a lot of the tankers that come into port. Um, they're they're screened every. You have ninety six hours. You have to give a ninety six hour advance notice of arrival when you're coming into port. So the Coast Guard will screen all the ships coming in, and they'll there's a matrix, and they'll look at like uh, the crew who's on the who's on board. They'll look at last five ports of call, and then based on the matrix, they'll deem it a high interest vessel. And then we have to board them before they can come into port. So we give them a captain of the port order, and we tell them they, they have to moor up so many nautical miles off the shore. And then we usually go out there. They'll give us their GPS coordinates. We'll go out there, and then we'll board it. But like you said, it's dangerous boarding it because you got swells, and you're trying to climb a Jacob's ladder. It's going down. You hope you got a good coxswain. Your coxswain is number one if you got somebody that knows what they're doing they'll make it very seamless that's navy coast guard speak for the boat driver (laughs) yeah the boat driver bozeman's mate (laughs) yeah all right Um, so you've been in for 12 years yes been promoted i would assume a couple times yep so i started out as a third class and now i'm a first class so just one below chief so an e6 how long before you can strike for chief i'm eligible to strike now so i gotta take the service-wide exam in october so we'll see how well i do that is awesome how long you planning on staying 
plan on to try to do the full 20, hopefully, eight years. And and one of the reasons that you decided, as as a serving police officer, that this might be a good you know path for you is Coast Guard helps you with your education. Yes. Yep. So, yep. Yeah. I got my. I finished my bachelor's, and uh, they paid for my pretty much sixty percent of my mat, my master's degree under the post nine eleven bill. So that was a pretty good decision for a young cop to make, right? Excellent. So you'll do your time with the Pittsfield Police Department and go when you you hit your eligible matrix at whatever point that is, and you'll do twenty in the Coast Guard, and you'll retire with two pensions. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's not a bad career path. Anyone interested in the Coast Guard, you know where to find me. I will be. Uh, I'll definitely talk. <laughs> nice. Yeah, we we probably should get some Coast Guard recruitment materials. Yeah, we're. I mean, we're hurting. Every branch is hurting at this point. I mean, military people are just they're they're trying to pursue it and they're just getting disqualified, whether it be medically or whether it be drug related or record related. Or I mean, everybody's hurting. All right, so two more Coast Guard questions before we take a station identification break. What's the coolest place the Coast Guard has sent you so far? <laughs> the coolest place I would I've only been to, I've been to two places, well, three places. Cape May for boot camp, Rhode Island for training, and then I went to Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. So I would say that's probably one of the most unique places. Okay. To. And last Coast Guard question. What's the wildest call or boarding you've been involved in? Uh, we actually had some. Um, we actually had some people try to smuggle drugs. I don't know if they tried to smuggle drugs, but they actually came into our security zone when we were down in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. So we have shoreside and we have waterside patrols, and that's our mission down there. Sort of watch the coast, make sure nobody comes in. And uh, uh, one of one of our partners was in the overlook post. He was outside doing some stretching, and then he looks over and he goes, he looks, squints his eyes, is that a boat? That can't be a boat, no way. Goes and gets his partner, he goes, come here, come take a look at that. Is, that. is that a boat inside the security perimeter? He's like, that's not a, oh, that's a boat. So a go fast had snuck into the security perimeter and they were within probably a half a mile of the, the, the joint task force side of Guantanamo Bay, Cuba which is the side that houses all your detainees down there. So sure enough, there was a boat on the inside, so they hollered for uh, Waterside. They, you know, went and uh, I forgot what it was, code, whatever. They, they had to go basically hot on all their weapons, and then they came in, and the go-fast ended up dumping about 19 bales of marijuana before fleeing into the Cuba side. And we don't have jurisdiction in Cuba, so we had to pass it off to the Cubans. God. Yeah. So go fast is a high speed yeah. speed boat, cigarette boat. Yep. Which, you know, drug runners use to to get in and out of places. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's some that's some straight up bad boys gangster it, it stuff. It was pretty wild. I mean, they could have they could have shot at the boat. They could have um, did disabling fire, but they pursued it. And then once it gets into Cuban waters, um, we don't have mutual aid with Cuba. So there's there's that. Well, well they're communists. So <laughs> all right. We went a little bit over. It's uh, 9.30 on July 1st. Let's take a break. Uh, We'll do another check of the weather, some PSAs, and then we'll come back and we'll talk to Sergeant Williams about police stuff instead of Coast Guard stuff. TBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area today, mostly sunny, warmer with highs around 90. 
southwest wind 5 to 10 miles per hour with gusts up to 20 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly cloudy. A chance of showers in the evening, then showers likely with a chance of thunderstorms after midnight. Lows in the mid-60s. Southwest wind 5 to 10 miles per hour. Chance of rain 60%. Saturday, showers likely with a chance of thunderstorms. Highs in the lower 80s. West wind 5 to 10 miles per hour. Chance of rain 60%. Weather forecasts for WTBRFM are provided by the National Weather Service. Support for WTBR comes from Sandrini Enterprises, providing awnings and canopies in western Massachusetts. Retractable awnings, retractable screens, gutter and gutter protection systems, commercial awnings and screen rooms. Customized solutions available online at sandrini.com. And from KB Accounting, having a hard time filling that bookkeeping position? Are you just looking for more transparency from your bookkeeper? Maybe you're so busy you find yourself falling behind on your billing and payments. KB Accounting can help with all that. Online at kbaccountingpittsfield.com or call 464-0245. Support for WTBR comes from Berkshire Community College. BCC provides access to higher education to everyone in Berkshire County and beyond. Offering more than 50 high-quality programs, small class sizes, and an affordable education to help their students of all ages achieve their dreams. At BCC, their middle name is Community. And from County Ambulance. Providing quality, professional, efficient medical care and medical transportation services to the citizens of Berkshire County. Online at countyamb.com. Is your little one safe inside your vehicle? Is the child seat installed properly? Is it the correct seat for your child? Hi, this is Sergeant Mark Madeline with the Pittsfield Police Department, reminding you to please keep your children safe. Follow the safety seat manufacturer's recommendations for height and weight and check NHTSA's website or our Facebook page for recommendations. If you have a question or would like your seat installation checked, please contact our department at 413-448-9700, extension 575. Our officers are certified safety seat installers. Thank you. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. Hi, this is Officer Darren Derby with the Pittsfield Police Department. Better weather is around the corner. Expect an increase in the number of pedestrians on walkways, cyclists sharing our roads, and kids playing outside. It is imperative we all pay better attention while driving, walking, running, and cycling. So we need to do our part in keeping everyone safe by adhering to the rules of the road. Wear bright clothing if you are walking or running. If you are driving, please slow down and don't drive while distracted. Pay attention. Let's keep each other safe. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. Good morning. Welcome back to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. Goodbye, Lieutenant. Good morning, Captain. And also available, good morning, Winston. And also available on all your popular podcast platforms. All right, so we have been speaking with Petty Officer First Class, Ryan Williams of the United <laughs> States Coast Guard. And now we're going to change gears really quick and speak with Sergeant Ryan Williams of the Pittsfield Police Department. Um, multiple hats. Multiple hats. <laughs> and, and multiple hats within the police department. Yeah, that's true. So we, we established that you decided, you know, in early on that you want to be a police officer when you were playing cops and robbers. Yep. Graduated from Conic, went to Westfield for criminal justice, got out and uh, went to work for Lanesboro PD, and then eventually you came over and started working for us. And um, you're currently a sergeant on the day shift. Yep. And... So you said you went to the Lowell Academy, right? I did. Re remind me, did we sponsor you or did Lansbury sponsor you? No, nope, that was uh, that was the Pittsfield Police Department. So you yeah. were in that group that I had to go find housing for out there. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
you were also you were also in the group that I had to make an emergency trip out there for because one of our student officers suffered a medical emergency. That's correct. Also, yeah, that was a rough, rough night. <laughs> rough night. Um, <laughs> yeah, Billy yeah. took you had a couple of a uh, couple of trips out there. I think. Yeah. Today it's uh, that was the only unplanned one. Yeah. Um, not a not a nice ride. It's it's very long. Yeah. To go way out there. Yeah. That's a story for another day. Um, so yeah, you guys, uh, you guys were boarded in the hotel. Yep. And going to the Lowell Academy. Yep. Lowell Academy. So every police academy in the Commonwealth has their own kind of unique culture and climate. Lowell Academy, I love it. I think they turn out a great training product, but man, that is a weird place. <laughs> Lowell Academy loves to run. We loves to run. Lowell and Redding Lord. love to run. MBTA as well. We were like competing with the MBTA. Like our, our academy director was a marathon runner. Yeah, Mr. Fleming, Sergeant Fleming. Sergeant at the Fleming. Time. Yeah, yeah, man. Yep. He he ran us, ran us, and then ran us some more. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I came out in uh, probably the best shape of my life. <laughs> Because it was Monday, Wednesday, Friday running, Tuesday, Thursday, actual physical weights yeah. and working out. Yeah. Uh, and the Lowell Academy is uh, co-located in a community college. So it's it's a really nice facility. Yeah. And you got access to what's, I think it's called the Songus, Songus Center. Songus the Songus Arena, Arena where we did PT. our PT and our defensive tactics. And then the classroom was at Middlesex Community yeah. College, which is like a half a mile down the road and they'd want you to get there in a, a allotted amount of time but it's lowell so it's traffic yeah. and parking and man you would you would never get there on time <laughs> ever so you came out and how long were you a patrol officer beside before you decided to test for sergeant oh man when did i so i came on in uh 2007 um so i graduated lowell academy well, uh, probably thanksgiving in 2007 so I got promoted to sergeant in uh, 2017, so about 10 years. 10 years. Yeah. All right, so as a patrol officer, what was your favorite aspects of the job? Man, I, I really like doing motor vehicle stops, actually. Was, uh, you know, I came from Lanesboro where I did a lot of motor vehicle stops, so I kind of carried the mentality over. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's the, the job's fascinating. You can pretty much, you know, do a lot of different things from your special response team to your canine to your traffic to your narcotics to your detective bureau you know it's you can you could be pretty diverse yeah we've got a lot of opportunities yeah but you pretty much focused your attention on patrol yeah i mean you've got a, a couple of collateral duties but nothing that it takes you away from the patrol division um so 2017 so you, you got a few years in as a sergeant now yeah all of that on the day shift yeah um a little bit on squad b okay. started doing a little bit on squad b when i first got promoted under uh, captain grady who was the shift commander at the time okay. so uh so what's your favorite part about being a sergeant i like uh I like the fact that you can you can still serve as as kind of a liaison. Like you're you're still connected to patrol. You know you're you still you're, out there you're still it. that buffer. Yeah, when 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 it allows, I I hate sitting behind a desk. That's the downside to being promoted. The the things that we get into the job not to do. You know we're not people that like sitting behind a nine to five desk. We like to get out there. We like to patrol. But yeah, that's the downside of being promoted. Sitting behind that desk. But 
when I, when you do get to get out there, it's it's fun, it's fun getting out, and you don't have a beat, so the whole city's yours. Yeah, you pretty much go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. What was the most surprising thing for you when you became a sergeant? Uh, the surprising thing was uh, probably the the things I did not know. It's like now you're in charge, and uh, it's a pretty wild responsibility because you know how it is if you're working a weekend and nobody else is there but you 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 think about you know the the enormous responsibility you have you're like wow i'm I'm responsible not only for you know the the patrolmen that i oversee but you're responsible for the entire city i'm the chief at the moment i guess (laughs) you are the chief at the moment so we've spoken about this on previous episodes but i always like to remind our viewers and listeners of this and point it out so we in the patrol division we schedule two sergeants per shift uh and on some of the shifts because of some of the supernumerary sergeants we have now we may actually schedule three sergeants per shift but that's on a couple different swing shifts but by you know policy and practice we schedule two sergeants per shift one sergeant is designated as the street supervisor and one sergeant is designated as the station supervisor or the desk sergeant but if a sergeant calls out sick or needs time off or something or is on a training day, we don't always necessarily backfill. So we can run with one sergeant. And if there's one sergeant, their principal responsibility becomes station supervisor. So if you're a sergeant and your partner calls out, if you were assigned to the street, you're going to spend the bulk of your time in the house and you're only going to leave if the officers in the field need immediate supervisory assistance. And there's a couple reasons for that. So if you're the street sergeant, you are responsible for supervising and overseeing the six to nine patrol officers who are working for you at any time. It's a fairly manageable span of control. It gets a little big if we've got some extra details going on. But usually if we put the extra details on, they come with another sergeant. So you you can kind of handle that. And your principal job is to keep an eye on those patrol officers and make sure that they're following policy and procedures and following mm-hmm. our rules and regulations and, and doing everything right. And, yep. you know, not constantly looking over their shoulder, but just being a resource to them, being available. Yep. If you're the station sergeant and you don't have a street sergeant, you're responsible for all of that. Plus, you're responsible for station security and the care and well-being of any detainees. So if we've got people in lockup that are being held over a long holiday weekend, the station sergeant is responsible for all of them. For that entire duration too yeah so being responsible for station security and the care and welfare of the prisoners is both incredibly important and incredibly stressful but it also carries with it an enormous amount of administrative paperwork yeah um, I I will say definitively one of the things I was the most shocked by and unprepared for when I first promoted was the volume the vast volume of paperwork a sergeant has to process during the course of a shift and it's everything from reviewing every report written by everyone any one of your officers whether it's an offensive report or an arrest report to make sure that you know the facts and elements of the crime are in there and that it's properly formatted and it's legible and it makes sense to injured prisoner reports yep to overtime slips for matrons yep to injured on duty reports if one of our people gets hurt to motor vehicle crash reports if they involved either a uh, um, police vehicle or city-owned property, yep. uh, 
it, it's just it's immense the paperwork doesn't stop nope yeah we've tried to, we've tried to digitize a lot of it yeah it's like oh. the mail just keeps coming and then a couple new things that we've added in the last several years you also have to do supervisory use of force reports if one of your officers is involved in a reportable use of force you have to do a separate report on that yeah and pursuit reports if one of your officers is involved in a vehicle pursuit yep which thankfully doesn't happen that often thankfully which, yeah very thankful for that so it's an enormous job. Uh, we, we've talked about it on the show in the past. In my personal experience and in my role as an instructor, I firmly believe and teach that police sergeant is the most important job in an organization. It is where supervision meets service delivery and good sergeants make strong police departments. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yep. And citizen complaints as well when they come in that's so, right external complaints yeah you talk to them yeah. so yeah it's a, it's a which, lot. which are also fairly rare thankfully yeah yeah we have a we have a really good department really educated department which you know education is key we do have a highly educated department yeah it's, you know we've got a lot of people who've gone back and pursued um graduate degrees yeah which yeah education's good it, it drives down use of force complaints it's definitely, definitely. A, uh, known statistic <laughs> all right so uh, in addition to your supervisory responsibilities, you do um, you do some community engagement work for us. Yep, uh, Copsicle. I'll do that with uh, with uh, Officer Derby when when that could come up. Uh, homeless prevention committee stuff. Um, I just got certified as a car seat technician too. So there's a there's a core group of us within the department that are certified to uh, install car seats, which we do have an event coming up. So you have a car seat inspection or installation coming up? Yes, we do. When and, and where? Um, it's going to be at Walmart uh, July 20th. I think it's a Wednesday. Let me just double check the calendar. Um, it's going to be July 20th at Walmart between the hours of uh, 3 to 7. Uh, Lynn Richardson from uh, Northern Berkshire EMS has about 200 car seats that were granted to them so she is going to come down, and uh, we're going to host the event together. So if you if you need a car seat out there, or if you have a car seat and you need yours installed properly, feel free to come by the event. Or if you have a second hand or an old car seat, you don't know where it came from, we can most certainly replace it with a, with a new one that you know where it came from. It's not expired. Are there any eligibility requirements to participate in that? No, I believe there's none. Just open to the public. Just open to the public. Yeah, she uh, she did one at Walmart up in North Adams just recently. She she gave about fifty car seats out. Should she, she has about two hundred? I want to say that. I don't know if she's going to bring all two hundred down, but all right, uh, this this is important. So just to make sure everybody got it, give the location date and time again wednesday july 20th at our walmart here on hubbard ave in pittsfield the hours are three to seven we'll be there setting up about two o'clock and uh, it'll kick off at about three um officer derby and i will both be there i'm not sure what other car seat technicians from our department will be participating but i'll uh i'll try to get him to put it on facebook and i'll try to plug our twitter page with it and captain we should do a, a media release on that yeah, that'd be that'd be nice. I think she had a strong turnout. I think we'll have a strong turnout. Yep. And if viewers or listeners have any questions, who should they get in contact with? Uh, they can they can either call Sergeant Madalena or they can call myself okay. um, at the at the department. Right, and you can find those uh, extensions in our uh, call processor if you just call four four eight nine seven zero zero. It'll give you an option to speak to either Sergeant Williams or Sergeant Madalena. Yeah. All right. Um, 
car seat technician, community engagement. You do a little work with the Explorer Post. Yeah, I just started doing that too. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's been pretty cool. Um, we got a kind of a little core group. We're hoping to expand it, but um, yeah, that's every Wednesdays. Explorer's kind of faltered during COVID, so yeah. Officer Godfrey is working really hard to kind of get that back up on plane. Yeah, she's doing it. She does a great job. Her and Officer McMahon. How many Explorers do we have participating right now? Uh, it's been a small group. I think we have. I think we're in the teens, but not that many people. There not that many explorers have come. Usually, it's like a group of five to six ish every week, and every Wednesday. Every Wednesday, generally yeah. meeting at the station unless they're out doing um, field problems. No, we uh, we generally meet at the armory. Oh, okay. Yeah, P PJ Hunt. I think he's a staff sergeant now. He's staff sergeant. Huh? Yeah, promoted. Um, yeah, he's he's great. So he he kind of allows us to use his armory and he participates, and then he can also try to look at the group to see if he, if he can recruit since right. he's a recruiter. So he got us the last time. Yeah, we work hand we work hand in hand. We. Uh, so shout out to the Mass National Guard, Absolutely. first in the nation. Great. Uh, Staff Sergeant Hunt and the and the maintenance crew at the Armory are unbelievably generous and supportive of us. In addition to the Explorers, we do a lot of training out there. We're lucky to have that facility. We were out there last um, Monday with Axon, uh, the company that is the uh, over overarching company for Taser. Mm -hmm. uh, we were doing some evaluations of body cams and dash cams, but they brought all their stuff, including their training simulators and their drones. And so it's we been were, wild. It was a pretty wild that day. That is great. PJ was there um, <laughs> shooting zombies in the simulator. <laughs> <laughs> he was very happy with his score. He was very happy with his score. But he got he got taken out by that pooly. So, <laughs> um, so I've, I don't think I've talked about this on the show before. When Officer Godfrey... Uh, agreed to help re-implement the Explorer program, I shared with her kind of a vision that I had for the Explorers and a pet project that I had been thinking about for a while but hadn't figured out a way. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to identify an Explorer who would, so Explorers is the career exploration program that is overseen by the Boy Scouts of America and you can have an Explorer post embedded within a public safety agency focused on that career track. So we have a law enforcement Explorer post. Mm -hmm. And my idea was that if we could identify a 14-year-old explorer who came into the program, worked with us, trained with us, maybe did a little detail work with us, and we could keep them involved throughout their high school years and then get them to think about going to Berkshire Community College to get their associate's degree in criminal justice, depending on how old they were, we could facilitate their transfer to Westfield to continue to pursue criminal justice they should have become age eligible while they were either at BCC or at Westfield to take and sit for the civil service exam. And then by the time they graduated, they should have been on a certified list. And so they'd be 21, 22 years old graduating from college, and we'd have seven or eight years working experience with them. And hopefully they would show up on our list and we'd have this police candidate that we knew a lot about and then we could, you know, we could bring on board. And so we've had the Explorer Post back for, I don't know, 10 years now, maybe a little more than that, you know, other than the COVID interruption. And right before COVID, we had the first student complete that pipeline. And he enlisted in the Army. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Like, Come on. Oh, man, all that success. <laughs> well, 
Oh. There's still time. There's still time. Yeah. There's still time. Come out a certified MP. Yeah, hopefully. Right? <laughs> You're so. like, all right, I got a little uh, little experience as an MP. I was so happy. So close, but so far. So close. Man. So you, you've also been serving on the Homeless Advisory Committee as the police department representative. Yep. How's that going? Yeah, it's, it's going. It's going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Meet every month. Uh, yeah, it's going, I guess. All right, so we're coming up at the tail end of this. We've discussed your, you know, joining the Pittsfield Police Department and your decision to enlist in the Coast Guard Reserve as a police officer and how you're able to maintain both of those things going forward. So you talked a little bit about your your plans in the Coast Guard. What are your future plans in the police department? Oh, we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully, maybe make lieutenant one of these days, but. You know, I'm you I'm, studying. I'm pretty well. No, not really. <laughs> you definitely got to study for these promotional exams. You just can't go in them, otherwise you just waste your money. They're they're intense. But yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm pretty good. I mean, surprisingly, I got promoted in 2017. I think I'm the fourth highest sergeant at the moment. We've so had it a went lot. Quick. We've had a lot of turnover and attrition. Man, it went quick. But yeah, it's a it's a great job to promote, become a sergeant. Really good job. It, I. People ask me all the time, and I, you know, sergeant is definitely the most important role in the organization. But people ask me what my favorite job, in you know, and I have to it, at different points of my career, I have to say different things. You know, I think my favorite job, just from like I love that aspect, was you know being with the team. Like I, I just loved being with the team and training with the team. Yeah. Um, I loved being a police sergeant because you could get out there in the field and work with your men and women. But I think my best job, like when I had the most fun and the most impact, was lieutenant as a shift commander. Um, you know, after that, it's it's largely administrative. Before yeah. that, you don't really get to. You're you're in charge, but you're not quite in charge. Like lieutenants get to make policy recommendations and, and implement stuff on their shift and issue shift commanders orders. Yeah. Um, so it, you should start studying. Yeah, that's and, what uh, Lieutenant Bradford says. And, that is the best job. <laughs> and and Lieutenant, he would know because he yeah. promoted and then self-selected back, which <laughs> that's never true. happened before. Yeah. Um, but for Lieutenant, it's not going to be a written test. It's going to be an assessment center. So right. you got a different learning path ahead of you. I know, I know. <laughs> but when it comes to boards, I, I don't interview that well, I guess. So. <laughs> take some classes brush up on my interview the, skills the, the the board is only a small part of that whole assessment center program yeah uh, those assessment centers are hard i mean tests are hard but assessment centers are stressful yeah yeah all that stressful any board but but we get a we get a better quality assessment and candidate list when we do them yeah yeah very true all right so sergeant williams final thoughts on on you know what you've got going on with your time in the PPD? Man, uh, I still love to do the job. I mean, it's it's a it, it is still a great job, despite what the the media portrays. Everything out there, it's definitely not true. Um, you can definitely, especially if you live and work and have grown up in your community, you can still make it still make an impact. Make an impact every day. Yeah, absolutely. Great job. You know, don't get discouraged if you, you want to pursue this job. So. I, st I still I still enjoy coming in. Advice for prospective police officers who might be thinking about it? Uh, I think probably get your education. Education is important to the job. You know, you'll, you'll come in um, automatically making more money. 
because you'll you'll get your raises you'll have the degree um so yeah definitely pursue your education just you know keep clean even though marijuana is legal in massachusetts uh try to stay away from it yeah it could be a deciding factor when yeah. we get to those background checks yeah right? absolutely yeah absolutely <clears throat> it's it's no good particularly recent use yeah absolutely yep because it is still federally prohibited and impacts our ability to issue a firearms license. Yes, yes, it does, and and it, it doesn't really uh, do anything positive for your life, actually. All right. So one of the things that we've kind of made a not a mainstay because we forget about it from time to time, but it's it's kind of a regular feature when we're wrapping up a show. So just do a quick little round robin. So I know you you know everybody's going to rest and get ready for Monday, but what are your plans for the rest of the weekend? Oh, I got a house stuff to do, house stuff to work on. So I'm off today and tomorrow. So chores, I try to get the things done when I'm when I'm not working. House stuff. Yeah, I know house projects. And to call and order a roll off dumpster to do some, you know, spring cleaning, clean well, the garage go. and stuff. You got house stuff too. So I called and I've used this company three times before. So I called and I said, okay, you know dropped it off they're like okay we drop it off thursday are there any special instructions she's reading for me she reads the special instructions about where i want it placed i get home it's in the wrong place it's in the middle of your driveway i can't get the cruiser into the garage <laughs> right there's not enough room to make the cut <laughs> come on <laughs> it was on the sheet all right captain plans for the weekend uh yeah, just, you know, my thoughts are on Monday and uh, final planning and coordinating. Um, it, uh, if I can get a little bit of R&R and enjoy some sunshine, uh, I'll look forward to that. The 90 sun? degrees today, later, you know, this yeah. afternoon, it's I guess. It's going to be hot. Uh, I don't know if we're going to be so lucky on, uh, on Saturday. I saw in my inbox this morning that we got a tactical operations plan in support of the overall event plan, so I haven't read that yet. We'll yep. roll that into the into the ICS documents. Yeah, we're gonna take some delivery of some equipment today, and um, you know, just the the final uh, planning and um, you know, getting ready for uh, roll call and, and and giving out the the proper directions to everybody. Gonna have to raid the closet and find a white shirt. The one time a year I wear that thing. <laughs> yep. Not happy. Yep. So I was all excited because I finally finished up all the family stuff that was tying up my weekends for the you know five of the last six weeks and get back in. Looking forward to training. My plans for last weekend got completely derailed. Didn't end up training, and. The dojo is closed for the holiday this Saturday. So you have to get some outside exercise. Yeah. Train tonight. Get there some outside go. exercise. There you go. All right. We are just about out of time. Not quite. Well, it's close. a little more than a minute. So you have been listening to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television, and available on all of your popular podcast platforms. Join us next week for another new episode. Our guest next week, I think, is Lieutenant Tina Carlo from the Environmental Police. Yeah, I'm not sure of the schedule. But, um, uh, we've been trying to get the lieutenant on for a while. Uh, it took a little... Her first name's not Tina. Why did I say that? Tara. 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 Lieutenant Tara, Carlos. Sorry, Tara. Oh, yeah. I know her family. But <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that. Um, yeah, so we've been trying to schedule this interview for a while, and conflicts kept coming up. So 
tune in for that. Join us up street on Monday for the return of the Pittsfield 4th of July Parade, where you'll be able to stop by and say hello to all of our available personnel who will be out there supporting traffic safety and security plan for the parade. Uh, have a safe and enjoyable holiday weekend in advance of the 4th. And until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, but most importantly, be kind. We're 10-8. Amen.